tonight, Crash Craddock's triumphant return from Rio. And There's no place like home, especially if your minor Premier Sydney Swans forced into the Giants' backyard. Professor Adam Spencer tries to get his head around all possibilities for the NRL Top 8. Like the All Blacks, we'll pick the eyes out of another ugly Wallaby loss. Half man, half car. The legendary Craig Lowndes is our special guest. The show that believes it's more fun to be off target. The back page live. Wanted to run around in the baggy green. Want to be on TV shows like this where we can have a laugh. Never ever give up. They think we're not strong enough, but we just be the world. Their senses are dulled. I got punched in the back of the head regularly. It was just unfortunate it was from a coach. Everybody, welcome to the show. Very, very excited with what's on offer for you tonight. And I've got a good crew, a very good group with me. Let me show you. He's back alongside Kelly Underwood. Before the Olympics, we had predicted he would file at least 20 stories from Rio. Expectation exceeded results and he only filed eight times. But Australia is still proud of you, Robert Craddock. Welcome back, my friends. I'll get Thank some you, more detail in a second. On this side, uh, the Sydney Swans' number one ticket holder, Adam Spencer, and Hawthorne's number one propagandist, Jules Schiller. Welcome to you Indeed. gentlemen. All right, we're going to get to all of that and so much more over the hour we have to share with you. Right now, that crash, you are back from Rio. What's the kind of top of mind thought from what you've just experienced? Oh, I just felt it was... I like the roughness and rawness and realness of it. I had no whinge at all. To me, it was like an old-fashioned cricket tour of India where if you wanted to have a whinge, you could whinge every five minutes. But if you said, I'm getting stuck in here, and it pains me a bit to say this, but we're turning into the Poms and they're turning into us. You know what I mean? Oh. They're the resilient ones who said, we're going to have a crack here. Whereas we sort of whinged our way through. And I reckon it affected our mindset a bit. I really do. I really do. So you think that our performance was we kind of expected more from the outside, but in the camp we didn't like what we, you know, confronted there? Yeah, a absolutely. I mean, well, look, we were down in expectations yeah. and the bar was too high. We were yeah. never going to get 16. No. And Sports Illustrated said 20. That was outrageous. We got about where we are, about 10th on the medal tally, and that's about right. Was well, so there a sense over there that we're a bit spooked on the world stage and, and maybe, you know, yep. that we needed to not toughen up a bit, but it was the tough cookies that really got the gold medals it, in the it, end. It was. And the Olympic shock syndrome. You could mm. see it on Kate Campbell's face. Mm. You could see it on the kookaburras, the hockey team. Just freeze. It's extraordinary. Opals. It really yeah. was. So, so what was it like, Crash? Did you twerk with Usain Bolt? That's my question. <laughs> is, there, is there any footage of you... <laughs> I had my own issues, actually, I've got to say. But it was great. Like, little things that you never heard of, like taxi drivers saying, no, you've overpaid here. I mean, everyone bags Rio. What? Ladies with laundry saying, sir, you've left all this money in your jeans. That's yours. I mean, that, that never gets spoken about. That's classic crash, just leaving stuff in the <laughs> You always remind me a little, too, of Columbo, my favourite TV detective. Now, you use those skills quite beautifully to help nab the thief who made off with a colleague's camera equipment. I'll remind you, have a listen. You must arrest him yes, immediately. Yes. Uh, arrest him immediately. Arrest him immediately. Arrest him immediately. You must take him into custody. You stole camera gear. <laughs> Book him, Dana. <laughs> Did they indeed take him into custody? They got him, and justice is instant over there. Like, they went, bang, guilty, you're in jail. But, uh, look... Uh, the only reason I was keep on saying the word arrest, they were Portuguese and obviously they couldn't speak English, but I just thought the one word they could understand would be arrest. So I said it and I said it and I said it again and later 
they said to the liaison officer, what was that bloke on about? We couldn't understand one word he was saying. <laughs> That's the one thing I've told you when filming something. Yes. That's the one thing I've always gone Do you see how many bars we had to put on the side of that picture? There's people leaning into their TVs. Just do this, Crash. Land Just do this. Got this. I've, I've got to say, in my defence, I was terrified. <laughs> and, and I, I really was. And, like, we joke about it now. But, but to be fair, like, as much as it is funny, and I get that, but that thief, I trailed him through the back alleys and he went down to where the Australian archery team was two minutes away. Have a look at this. Those yellow and green gentlemen you can see on his left, there's the thief there. That's Ryan Tyak and the Australian archery team two minutes away from shooting for the bronze medal. I stopped and watched him look at them. He was thinking about stealing something off them. But like, they're armed. Yeah. They don't understand the arrest, Dave, and you just as well. They could have been shooting for it and suddenly reached for a quill and gone, hang on, empty space. You took that whole security status, I reckon, a little too far because you turn on the Aussie teams, there was a whole the, the accreditation scandal. Have a look at this bit here. You must arrest him immediately. Arrest him immediately. Arrest him immediately. Arrest him immediately. You must take him into custody. <laughs> Just turn right. on your own. Hey, I'll say it's one thing. Just as well I was out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on for Rio. The Sydney Swans are minor premiers in the AFL. Percentages getting them across the line ahead of a pack of teams all with 17 wins. Gee, they played brilliantly at the weekend. Or did they take on a team who were less than impressive? Gee, was a nail by to kill. Are you going with me rather than the Swans' number one yeah, ticket holder? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll wait. What a surprise that you started with the Swans. I just remember two years ago, mm -hmm. Swans were minor premiers boys and they got embarrassed in that grand final. But, oh. look, this, uh, the AFL will be absolutely thrilled and relieved with how the first well, week one of the finals have panned out because we've got a final in Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide and also Perth. And you look at this team... They have no weakness at the moment um, and they certainly are almost full strength. There's hardly any injuries. Considered 12 months ago where they were at, nothing yep. went right, did it? Obviously, it was this, this time 12 months ago, Buddy uh, Franklin put his hand up and said, I'm struggling with some mental illness, didn't play in the finals campaign. There's a bit of a question mark whether yep. he'd actually even come back. The goods booing saga really took a lot out of them. There was no Kieran Jack, no Luke Parker because of injuries. They are sitting pretty on top they at the are. moment. Gary Rowan's pace was wonderful. Buddy Franklin, he's just the most exciting football, I reckon, of any code at the moment in Australia. Look, right as number one ticket holder, I don't want to take no. all of the credit. Of I don't course. think that would be appropriate. I'm saying, mate, 65 70% of the credit for Thanks. the team's success this year, I will take as number one ticket holder. Now, the, the guys have done fantastically. Richmond, that was the most insipid performance I've seen by any AFL team ever. It was yeah. embarrassing. But our guys did as much as they could and we've had a really strong run in. Is there anything as meaningless as a minor premiership, though, in the AFL? It's about as memorable as a night out with Robert Allenby, isn't it, really? <laughs> No-one remembers um, who the minor premier is. Hawthorne were third last year. They won the premiership. They're third this year. I'm not saying anything. Uh, so it doesn't, it doesn't really mean that much in the... Now, stick with your first thought and don't say anything. Uh, <laughs> what about this, Adam Spencer? For that minor premiership, what do the Swans get? What has the AFL handed them on? It's players? fantastic. We get the right... To play a game mm -hmm. uh, at a ground that we haven't played at all season, yes. uh, which is closer to GWS's home ground and mm -hmm. makes their home preparation more typical than ours. It is ludicrous that the Swans, having won the minor premiership, 
are not playing at their home ground, which has the same capacity as Adelaide. No one complains when finals are there. Has got a greater capacity than a stack of grounds at which games well, are played throughout hang, the AFL. Hang on, You're going to get on. almost 50,000 people at the SCG, and if winning the minor premiership with a percentage of 150 doesn't get you a home final, that's embarrassing. So is it fair for the Giants then? I mean, this is a team that has only played at that ground three times in the five years. The Giants are travelling 45 the, metres from the their last, home ground. The last time that they played there was three years ago, and the biggest crowd they've played in front of is 44,000. They haven't 000. earned the right to a home final. No, but, I mean, it, it's a little bit ironic that you paid big money to get out of this contract because you don't like travelling to the West and then first week of the finals you're handed that. What about the fans? What well, about good. the fans it's that missed out? Swans what does the fan. SCG hold? 47, 48? You get for the, 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 the GWS's average home crowd this year is 12,000 people. So they can all turn Plus up. Plus yours, so which is about 40. So there you're looking you, at maybe up to 60,000 they might get. You don't want to deny 50,000. Yeah, respect, that's 52,000. <laughs> <laughs> unless you get 75,000 people or something, which is not going to happen, it's just outrageous. The only, team you're, you're, in the, in the only team in the top four with a home final is Hawthorne and they came third. There's a subplot here, though. Yes. You are worried that GWS are going to run your boys off their legs. No, 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 it's no. going to happen. The it Swans is going to happen. They They're are the X Factor the GWS. Done. They've been pumped yeah. with draft picks. And if Vladimir Putin was going to support an AFL team, it would be GWS because <laughs> they have had a slightly unfair advantage. Well deserved, but they are an X Factor and it'll be a fascinating well, final. In the meantime, game. as you mentioned, obviously, Hawthorne, they did scrape home uh, by a point against Collingwood. Jack Fitzpatrick kicking a bomb in his first game. I think this is for the Hawks. This is a boy from Melbourne. He's won three games in his career. He comes out of the back end of this and he just... What's this, 67, 70 metres? Well, maybe not that long. People keep saying Hawthorne find a way to win. They don't. They just win. All right, that's what we do. We win games. It's, it's not, everyone finds a way to win and... I mean, Collingwood came out and pointlessly tried. Yeah. Uh, you know, when, when there was really no when reason When you consider to... that there's, I mean, nearly 200 games in the home and away season and it came down to the second to last one in that final minute to determine whether Hawthorne finished top four or not. So and they finished third remarkable. and they got a home final. Everyone's happy. Yep. It's absurd. Well, what about the other, I guess, the controversial thing is the buy round that is now going to happen, that every team gets a week off. There's been momentum built, obviously, through the, the season proper. That stops, or is it a good thing that we have a week off before heading into the final? Well, finals? I'm not sure whether it's fair we should judge it before it actually happens, but the gut feel is when you think of Melbourne and you think of September and you think of the weekends, you think of footy finals, there's going to be one final played in the first two weekends yep. of September mm. in Melbourne. It just seems absolutely ludicrous. I get the feeling that everyone will be up in arms at this. Um, the AFL, you know, I mean, they're a PR machine. They've worked out a festival of footy that's going to unfold over the next week, you know, which kicks off with you've got all Australian and then the legends yep. and, of course, the women's match, which will be a highlight on Saturday night. Absolutely no doubt about that. But no, no AFL. I mean, mm. how does it sit and with you? I think it's ridiculous because, I mean, all this stuff about resting players, if you're good enough, if you storm to the top of the ladder and you've earned the right, that's part of the chess game that is the premiership. Mm. You know, you might be able to rest a few players that are injured. Good on you. Yeah, but, but to have and nothing... They were resting yeah. half their team and yeah. I guess Gillam McLaughlin yeah, said it's not a good look. It threatened the, the integrity oh, of the contest. But the interesting thing is, whichever teams in the top four win those first finals... When they play their prelims, they'll have played one game in 28 or 29 days. Yep. They'll be playing teams who've played three games in a row, but it had a week off before then. You could argue those teams have had 
the better preparation. It's a long way down the track, but if you get a situation where both teams in the top four who win through lose prelims because they come out a bit underdone, mm. it's going to be a bit of an embarrassing look. And being from Melbourne, Melbourne's full of sporting nymphomaniacs. I'm from Melbourne, and they will flirt with other codes behind the AFL's back. And you have got the sexiest draw that rugby league has probably had in Melbourne for a decade with Storm and Cronulla for a minor... Pre that's a conjugal visit for, for most, <laughs> <laughs> most sports fans. That's a league It's like, that's going to be awesome. Incredibly uh, competitive at the top of the table there. The bottom of the eight, not quite the same with another Bulldogs loss and, of course, North Melbourne hitting the wall a couple of months ago, really. Still, so they got there. In fact, I have vision of the Kangaroos and the Bulldogs making it to the finals. <laughs> they are. Uh, it was tough, obviously, but uh, I can see the line ahead of them... Uh, <laughs> just, just going to push on forward. Just another round of footy to play. Uh, from a week off. <laughs> <laughs> that week off will really help. There yeah, we go. Across the line, they go. How I got home on Saturday night. They've got the bye. Everything should be tickety-boo. Tough week for the Kangaroos with coach Brad Scott deciding veterans Boomer Harvey, Drew Petrie, Michael Farid and, of course, Nick Del Santo won't be around next year. What did you make of the way that was on? I guess the timing's uh, been the thing. Well, look, it? It, was, it was bold and it was brave and I think there is never an ideal way to do this sort of thing. The other three players, absolutely, I can understand why. Brent Harvey is obviously where the controversy lays in this because, sure, he's 38 and if he was there just for purely sentimental value and wasn't performing, maybe no worries. But the fact is he's been one of their best players yeah. this year. He is the heart and soul of that club. He provides the leadership. So it's hard to get your head around the fact that why wasn't he given a, a contract to go into, into next year? I think the reaction that we... And I was at this game on Saturday night. So how well was it handled? Your answer is in the reaction on Saturday night. I was there at the ground, 22,000 fans. It was awkward at the end. No-one really knew how to react. I mean, this isn't a proper farewell. This is a team that's going to play week one of the finals over in Adelaide. And fans just didn't know how to react. Brent Harvey and the other three mm. players didn't know how to handle I'd it. I'd go down the weekend before when the Swans got past North Melbourne in Hobart and Harvey was one of the best three players on the ground for either team. The other three clearly right. There must be something. There must be some young player North really like who they're worried they're going to lose if Harvey stays on one of the year. There must be some domino effect. It's not a simple question of would he be in our best players next year because yeah. he clearly would. They're reading something a few years down the line. I think they've got it wrong, but that must be the play. All right. Can I just say uh, well done to William Hill for beating us uh, to this? I know that they may have got the idea from Kel, but it's to the Simpsons uh, <laughs> showing how the Brad Scott dumping went down. It's time for the easiest part of any coach's job, the cuts. Now, while I wasn't able to cut everyone I wanted to, I have cut a lot of you. Wendell is cut. Rudy is cut. Janie, you're gone. Stephen, I like your hustle. That's why it was so hard to cut you. Congratulations. <laughs> the rest of you made the team. <sighs> Except you, you and you. <laughs> Thank you for that, Kel. All right, <laughs> Justin Lepich has become the first coach sacked in AFL or, in fact, NRL this season. It has been coming for a while now, hasn't it, the idea? I don't know what, what Brisbane is thinking about it as we speak, uh, Crash. Oh, inevitable tone. Y you can't you know, go backwards at the rate they have over the last three years. I've never seen the club lower, and there, it has been low many, many times. But board fighting with players, fighting with coaches, backroom staff, and you can't... It's not soccer. You can't pluck a coach from the Netherlands or Russia. There's a very limited pool, Kel, and whoever it is, I mean, with such a young list, 
if it's a young coach, he could just be devoured in the first year. They could win three games next year. So you think an experienced coach is yeah. the answer? I do. I'd love to see a they Paul Roos style. They They've broken even. That's what they won this yeah. year. Well, exactly. Okay. Look, in the old days, everyone used to laugh at the Bad News Bears when they started off at Carrara, travelling around from venue to venue on training night with nothing, they won six games their first year, then what? seven, then eight. So what, I mean, there's Brett Ratton is an obvious choice, but the CEO at Brisbane at the moment is Greg Swan, who sacked him in favour of Mick Malthouse at Carlton, so they've got some history there. There's not too many other experienced coaches around. Why wouldn't you go... I mean, Brendan Bolton proved with a young list with Carlton this year at works. Luke Beveridge did it with the Bulldogs a couple of years ago. I reckon... Sport always tells you this. If you've got the youngest list in the competition, it's so hard to go young as a coach. It's just... And you, plenty, you, can, you may explain it as saying, oh, they can grow together... It, sport doesn't work that way. You need an old head with a young list. What Fresh hasn't head. worked is the former favourite Plot Suns, has yep, it? Because no. they went their former captain, Michael Voss, their former vice-captain yep. in those legendary years in Justin Lepich, and that didn't work. What I love was... A, did you hear they sacked him with a secret ballot? The board, they, no, I'm serious. They had a secret yep. ballot. Like, like they're the Knights Templar. <laughs> the Knights of the Rounds. They all put on their hoods because apparently there's so many yep. leaks, yep. like at the Brisbane Lions, they actually yep. had to do it in secret. Telling. Like they're electing yep. the Pope. Very <laughs> telling. I mean, that is a, that's a board who doesn't trust each other, Anyone. never mind yeah. the club. Yep. Terribly telling anecdote. All right. To uh, the NRL. Parramatta Stadium was opened 30 years ago by rugby league tragic, the Queen. Uh, we do have some... <laughs> and she's wearing yellow. Yeah, no. And what are the odds? Exactly. <laughs> and she can't get enough of Ray Price. One can't. And look, this was this made Rio look rubbish, the opening. It's a, uh, first player say... not brought in there by Wanderers fans. <laughs> <laughs> it does look like the opening of an Olympics, doesn't it? Or a Scooby-Doo. This, of course, was last night, the final game at what's now called Pertec. Oh. Devin French, great try. They, they played well, of course, the Dragons were fairly ordinary. Uh, but that is the end of Parramatta Stadium uh, for the moment. Now, everyone wants a piece of history, yeah. uh, you know, with, of course, the closing of a ground. Apparently, stadium officials thought fans would be keen to grab a, a bit of luck last night in the shape of a seat. Perdex Stadium would like to confirm that the chairs will not be permitted to be removed from Perdex Stadium on Monday. What, the idea of just getting that, you know, you, don't, you buy a seat, you don't actually buy the seat. <laughs> Yeah, but if you if you what if you've sat in that seat for twenty seasons, you know you might want to take it as a I don't I don't I mean if they were going to knock down the studio, I'd take stuff. I noticed rip it up. <laughs> the extended version of that said down the bottom, fans can take home a complimentary souvenir program. I'm guessing if you're the sort of person who's thinking of nicking a seat, <laughs> a program's not really <laughs> cutting it. <laughs> the job for you in that game last night. Drew Hutchison, he replaced Benji Marshall, of course, for the Dragons. Promptly gave us the dictionary definition of a hospital pass to Josh Dugan. Have a look at this. All up high oh, and, oh, oh, and semi radra <laughs> And you can just see where Dugan thinks, oh, look, he gets up and thinks, I'm OK, I'm, I'm not OK, oh, I'm not OK. It's the worst pass since Warney had a crack at Bryn. Okay. <laughs> 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 well. At least he caught that one. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky Stewart has admitted he could rest players. Now, it hasn't officially happened yet. This is in the final round this weekend to get them fresh for the big games that are to come. Is this against the spirit of the game, given that it does affect potentially two other clubs and their finals chances? You know what I think? They should be like the English Premier League. All the final matches of the final round should be played at the same time. Because there's so much advantage as teams get from this staggered competition where they're playing in the AFL, it could have been for percentage points that's in here. Does he rest players every or not? game live? Yeah, but that's. If I mean, that. if you wanted a fair, and you're the mathematician yeah, yeah. here, competition, all the matches in the last round should be played at the same time so no team gets an advantage or purely through the scheduling. You play them at separate times 
but you lock the doors and don't allow anyone out to tell what's happening. So if you see the Friday night game, you're in the lockout yeah. till 7 p.m. Sunday. And take everyone's phone off. Yeah. The TVs. It's not hard. You, you, you can't blame him. You cannot blame him. I mean, you know, and, and we could moralise about it, say against the spirit. If we were coach, we'd do exactly the same. They've worked, the Raiders, to get from death's door to where they are. If, if he's got a few players with a little bit of a niggle, how could you possibly So if he it? does it this weekend, yep. will the NRL introduce a buy round next year <laughs> before <laughs> the finals? Not no, in a thousand years. <laughs> no, but and nor should they. No, but it's, it's completely different. If, if you are serving your own best interests, yep. I don't think you have to worry about teams several spots yep. lower than you. No. But no. what happened last year when North Melbourne went in saying, even if we lose we'll end up playing the same team at the same ground. So, bugger it, let's pretty much yep. deliberately yep. lose. Yeah, exactly. That's a completely different kettle of fish. All right, early in the year, it was definitely going to be another Broncos-Cowboys grand final. Then we wrote the Broncos off, then the Cowboys. Uh, maybe we should have stuck to our original thoughts. The Broncos, they look like they're back. They played brilliant footy uh, against Melbourne Storm. This is in Melbourne, which makes it an even more impressive performance from them. Uh, Wayne Bennett could be doing the job again. Runners-up last year. Can they be the ones? Yes. Well, I, I tell you what, if they crack the top four this week, and they're as good a chance as anyone, four wins in a row, they had a very ropey mid-season. Yeah. But Bennett kept the faith, and he does tend to make teams peak right on the big day. So, good chance. Now, Sammy Thiday uh, is tough, as we know, and he's incredibly consistent. Uh, now, we've got some vision of him here. I didn't think he was, you know, he had showtime stuff in his game. Have a look at this for an offload to set up this try. Well, well, thinks he's going to go outside, then back on the in. It's just beautiful from the big man. He's playing really yeah. well the last month. And Gordon Tallis called it. He sort of said, there's their barometer player right there. When Friday gets hot, so do the Broncos. And him and Parker have been fabulous. So, uh, you know, he's a spark plug. He's a zany sort of guy too, and I think he lifts them. Yeah, well, that's right. Well, he celebrated quite beautifully, Crash, uh, in the rooms. He busted out the twerk that you mentioned before, and the yeah. positioning was perfect because it was right behind Wayne Bennett, who loves to twerk. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's like the Usain Bolt. He's not Mate's quite... Bennett a Brazilian not... stripper, yeah. I think. <laughs> he's not quite Usain, is it? Has, has Wayne got a sense of humour, Crash? Would he appreciate that? Actually, do you know what he has? And yeah. I think that it's very well hidden. He does. But that's... He's got a quirky, offbeat, and sometimes totally bizarre. All great comedy he would enjoy that. Funny yeah. guy in the straight man. It was obviously <laughs> <laughs> perfect pairing. He does have a good sense of humour, Wayne Bennett. All right, so polite those young American college footballers. University of Hawaii and University of California played in Sydney, and they made sure they paid tribute to Australian footy codes. Look, because he goes over the touchdown, as you know, in American football, no need to put the ball over the line. But look. Puts it down, oh, like nice. a try, uh, celebrate there. Just absolutely respectful. Big crowd there too. This is the, uh, again, the, on the other side. Now, he gets the touchdown and look at this. Uh, yes. Oh, wow. that's for the AFL. I if did. they really wanted to pay tribute to the NRL, every decision would have gone to a bunker. Yeah. And they would, have, <laughs> they would have been held up even more. I did notice that they referred to it as the double-fisted pistol, which yeah. isn't really AFL. Nothing You've got to like give it a it. bit more air time. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. All right, call me shallow, but this is my favourite thing of the week. Uh, it's the new hairdo from Texas Rangers, Carlos Beltran. Uh, look, forget hair in a can. It's just a black texture oh. that's come out. and. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
good is that? Why wouldn't you be laughing? <laughs> That's fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. All right, look, something to note in your diary is that next week the show will be moving to Channel 502. Still at a regular time at 7.30, that's Channel 502, so it's just one up uh, next door at 7.30. Still to come, though, tonight, all the fallout from the Wallabies' Bledisloe loss is Mitch Stark, the best left-arm pace man since Wazzy Macram, and one of the greatest escapes you'll ever see at a rally. pictures from the Red Bull Cliff Diving World Series in Italy. Now, to rugby, where the Wallabies didn't dive off a cliff, they simply fell, uh, plummeting to yet another <laughs> Let Us Low Cup defeat by the All Blacks. Where has it all gone wrong? Where's the joy? Where's the defensive patterns? Where's the grit? Where's the heart and soul crash? Yes, it's vanished, Tone, hasn't it? And uh, not only that, but we tried a new game plan, a little bit of biff and barge yeah. early. Yeah. Last about 15 minutes, then we thought, uh-oh, and they just absorbed it. But we're going so bad against the All Blacks mm -hmm. that when Australia kicked a 55-metre penalty goal, the crowd cheered warmly. <laughs> They've got to the stage where they think so little of us, they're cheering our high points, the Kiwi crowd. Can you imagine that 15 years ago? Yeah. They'd have blown up, so that wasn't a penalty, so... Look, we tried everything, kitchen sink in, in aggression, uh, but that was just a holding pattern game plan the other day. That's why the margin was only 20 points. Is there ever... any benefit at all to us getting belted by the best? Can you see one positive? Yes, it hardens you up for everyone else. You know, that's one of the reasons why they made the World Cup final last year, because they've been belted by the All Blacks into some sort of shape. But that's the only benefit. The gap is... This All Blacks team is the greatest sporting team in history. They've been dominating their code for more than 100 years. I, I love watching them play. I've got to say that. Even as you despair with our prospects against oh. them. Your take-home message is, watch out, Argentina. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are coming for you. We really need a plebiscite on whether we continue this series. Because <laughs> <laughs> I am I'm sick and tired of it. A plebiscite. Let's call it that. You love watching I'd rather be at home with a pencil in my eye. <laughs> Coach uh, Michael Checker, though, has tried to deflect from the team's performance a couple of times with criticism of the referee. This time he was unhappy with the way the officials treated Captain Steve. Even more. National captain of Australia was asking um, the referee when might be an opportunity for me to talk to you, and he just absolutely ignored him. And the referee may not like the captain personally, that might be his prerogative, but he has to afford him that opportunity if he's affording it to his opponents. If they've got predetermined position on our players, it's pretty blatant to anyone listening to the refs' ears, I would say. Well, there wow. you go. The thing is, I mean, you mentioned before, are we in danger of doing what you said about the Olympics in terms of whinging too much? A absolutely. Once they get inside your head, you're gone, you know? Yeah. I remember the All Blacks once on tour, they were banned from mentioning the cold weather in their team when they were touring the British Isles because they said the instant you mention it, it's cold day to day, it just gets into your head. So 
they're tough. And as Brad Thorne says, you've got to go to dark places to I, beat them. I, I love the fact that he thinks the French and the Kiwis are cozying up. I mean, they're good mates if you overlook the bombing of boats <laughs> and the new king of neighbouring <laughs> islands. <laughs> the French and New Zealand are the perfect bed buddies. Much as I hate to say this, Crash, uh, your Michael Checker timetable may be more accurate than sensible people like us thought possible. It was a year out, the timing may be, but this is your call from 2014. OK, stage one, magnificent Mike. Okay. He becomes instant hero. Goes to England, stand by for stories saying, gee, the atmosphere's changed. How good is he? We're loving it. St stage two is mid-range Mike when he runs into a team called the All Blacks next year and Australia starts to lose. Stage three, miserable Mike. And the players who control everything in Australian rugby then go, I'm not sure about him, Kel. So you're out by some months, but the timetable? It was just so... I remember it well because it was the last prediction I got right on the yeah, show. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I've just got yours. Wayne Bennett, the game has passed him by. Big Bash <laughs> won't work. <laughs> Usain Bolt, one-woman man. These are all other crash predictions. <laughs> but, but, but to be fair, it, it wasn't hard to get that one right because it happens to every Wallaby coach. They're just too darn good. You, it's like mince. You can cook it any way you like, it's still mince. I, I feel a bit sorry for him because, <laughs> because I think, you know, he is trying, he is creative. He's still the man, though. Oh, yeah, there's no-one else. And, 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 but rugby in this country is plateaued and it's a worry. Everything from, you know, the depth of the teams, the commitment, the publicity, it's flatlined. He's right, though, uh, Michael Checker, about the referees. There is a bit of a conspiracy. Uh, I don't know if you saw the, the ref did nothing and Sanzar didn't cite Owen Franks. For, look, he's just trying to push... You get the close-up here. He's trying to push Kane Douglas's eye out through his own ear You're being harsh here. The referee yeah. must be at least 70 centimetres. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That I mean, is unbelievable that he did not see that. I don't care if he likes us or doesn't like us and whether we're whinging or not, but that guy should not referee another test match yeah. for a few games if you make... are a metre away from someone being gouged There's no and you're doubt. looking directly at it and you didn't see There's it. There's no doubt. If it was... If, say, his name was Owen Francois, a big, ugly French prop, mm -hmm. he, he'd have been cited for that. The All Blacks do get away with that. There's no question. They're, they're very liberal, you know, what they get away with over the years. Yeah, Wallaby highlights obviously were few and far between. In fact, this is it. Uh, Nick Phipps, uh, he does a great job here, does the tackle, takes the boot, as you see. Not only does he take the boot, he managed to... Get into yeah. the crowd. It's just unfortunately the most aggression <laughs> shown by a single wallaby in the entire series. So exactly. But isn't it funny? Here's our highlight. Yeah. Let's show it again. I know. So sadly, look, they hang on to their boots in Formula One because they're really good to drink out of. Uh, Mark Webber, as you can see, was forced into the shoey. It's an Australian tradition, apparently, by Dan Ricardo after Dan came second in the Belgian Grand Prix. Oh, oh and Hell. it's his boot with all it's the sweat. Own, it's not R his own boot he's drinking oh. out. Ricardo is so good for F1 because. I mean, he's the only F1 driver who enjoys travelling the world surrounded by glamour and earning millions. Every, you look at Rosberg mm. and Hamilton, they look miserable. They're grumpy. They're so, they, they make Bennett and, and Farrah look like... Sorry, Taylor and Farrah look like starstruck lovers. <laughs> they hate each other so much. <laughs> this, this is great. Uh, nothing better for a dog than to roam the dusty roads of the Bolivian countryside. Not a care in the world, no collar in sight. As you see the dog here, uh, just walking down the road... No oh, dramas at all. No. No, nothing could possibly go wrong. Oh, no. Unless of no, course the don't. road is don't. part of the Code of Sur rally, <laughs> uh, in which case there oh. may be a car that comes along. Oh. Oh. the dog, <laughs> who then chases the yeah, car. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
Oh, have you? Oh, yeah. Gutless. Which is brilliant. The driver's in the car, though, which is... Trumped it up himself. Oh. Brilliant. All right, managing players' workload, of course, is important, but does the captain really come home for a break with his team having lost the uh, t cricket test series 3-0 and one all in the one day? As I love Steve Smith, but that's what he has done. I don't know whether he argued to stay, Crash. It's wrong, isn't it? Dreadful decision. And it's actually put him under more stress because he's come home here to, to what... In the streets, people look at him and think, mate, why aren't you back there? It yeah. would have been Keep much better Costa off playing Concordia there. To him. But two things about <laughs> this decision. One, uh, it's the first sign of burnout for Stephen Smith. I mean, you've got to concede that. You send home a captain mid-series, that's a sign of burnout. He's only 27, so that's a concern. For my money, he should never play the Indian Premier League again. He's Australian captain, concentrate on that. And the other thing, I'm actually really concerned about Rod Marsh losing the plot as National Selection Chairman. Uh, some of the statements he made in Sri Lanka and this decision as well, I just feel he's lost touch with the modern game. So Slater, Clark and Hayden were all very critical publicly about this. I, I think it's unfair to actually criticise Steve Smith. I mean, he's given his absolute heart for this country. Yeah, he's but given that, everything. I found Michael Clark's comments interesting because you will remember that Clark came back from New Zealand to Australia when his relationship with Lara Bingle was falling yep. apart and he put that first and said it had to be done and we understood that situation. So he understands the circumstances in which it's acceptable for someone to go. And so I found Clark's comments in particular quite telling. If, sure. if you give the captaincy to Warner, which is done, and he's won a game and the players have said it was really clear his directions and placements, then how do you take it back off him? Oh, no. if, if, if he develops that relationship with no. the players and they, they keep it's, winning. But, but the fundamental mistake, he should never have been captain in three forms of the game. That's a mistake. Mm. Other countries aren't doing it. Even AB de Villiers can't do it. In India, they can't do it. He's a young kid, and that, that's too much. There's good raps on him as a captain. You know, he's going well, people like him, but there is such a... The burnout factor is very significant, you know, and once it hits you, it's very hard to get out of the it. The timing was weird, the fact it was, oh, was tied stupid. one yeah. all in the... You know, with three, well, more, well, four yeah. more, we three more to go. It's just... But, but I, I can't... It's like we don't know the whole story. I know, but, but Rod Marsh made some strange statements. I mean, before the last test, he's taken journos out to the wicket and said, this is the worst wicket I've seen, second worst in, in my career. Well, that sort of sends panic through the dressing room, and the wicket played fine. You forget we've become a nation of whingers. <laughs> <laughs> Go-to at the moment. Mitchell Stark, though, he just continues. He's brilliant. We mentioned last week the quickest to 100 uh, one-day wickets. But bowling like this, is the, certainly one-day cricket, he's the best going around at the moment, isn't he? Absolutely stunning. And, you know, this is a guy who has dropped about seven times. And Look at like, oh, where would they be without him? It's really original stuff too. Full pitch, swinging the ball. Absolutely. Out. Look at the curl on that. Try and face that. I mean, it's remarkable. The, the, the person he's being compared to is one of the all-time greats. Another left armour, of course, we're talking about Wazim Akram. Now, have a look at this. How would you like to face him this ball? Just have a... Oh. <laughs> oh, honestly, these are some of the greatest balls in cricket history. Have a look at this, this toe-seeking missile. <laughs> this guy... I've got pins and needles on the back of the neck. That's outstanding. Not a bat, is it? To be compared to Akram's like being compared to Pavarotti or something like that. As I, a bowler? Yeah. <laughs> He used to waddle in the bowl left arm spin. I always say with Pavarotti, if you saw off the first few. Yeah. <laughs> with, all the, with all the hanky and the... You didn't have much late in the over. But there is similarities there. The way they bowl. For my money, Akram's the second best bowler in cricket history. All right. Uh, who's the first? Malcolm Marshall. 
Okay. Adam Zampa, he, I think he's... Adam Zampa's better than him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> together. Put together. But in terms of what's happening at the moment, he's a young kid. I just love what he, he brings to the table. And apparently brings great uh, energy and attitude to the dressing room as well. Just love what he's doing. Well, why wasn't he in the test team? Yeah. I mean, instead of John Holland, why not play a league spinner? Yep. I, this was another decision that they made. I, I just couldn't understand. So, nice, cool temperament. Uh, you know him well, Tony. And the boys in the Fox Sports commentary team who have mixed with him really like his competitive instinct. Maybe a future captain in one form of the game. Yep. All right, we've talked uh, before about the sense of occasion rule. Uh, it doesn't exist, obviously, but it should. Now, here's a classic example. This is a high school game. Now, now watch this effort. The ball comes through, and here he comes. This comes crashing through, and whoop, oh. whoop, whoop, over the top. Oh, nice. Into the goal. Nice. That should be a goal every day. Of the... No, it wasn't because... It's not even off. Some Fine. linesman standing up there with his flag up Wait, saying he's offside. It's some line. It's probably the brother of the opposition coach. I mean, it's a high school game. I mean, it's dodgy as, as all hell. Sense of occasion. You've got to just have... Well, so the idea of the sense of occasion rule is you go, look, that was technically against That's the rules, but bugger it. I bugger like it. it. <laughs> Three, yeah. go. Thank Cut. you. Nice. Yeah, I like it. This is a goal, this one here, uh, despite the brilliantly absurd efforts of this bloke. And he comes through. Uh, now, he's there. That's his own goal. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You like that, Jules? Yeah, he was actually being scouted by Chelsea when that happened. <laughs> what, what, what a match when the big, big, big scouts there and you do that. So you've got to feel sorry for him. But um, Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Ah, it goes to the referee. Yeah, you're right. Probably should have got a red card, as it turns out. All right, oldsters among you will remember Demis Roussos had a hit with his song My Friend the Wind. Well, Thamesmead Town enlisted a mighty wind to help score a remarkable goal. Have a look at this and listen to the commentary. Headed away by Cochrane. Chance for a shot from distance, though, from Scott Kinch. And the wind has actually kept the ball in, and it's headed a goal. It hits the crossbar, goes, you need to get it away, and it's in the back of the net. So we all thought the, that Kinch, the, the shot was going to go miles look, over the bar. The, the wind camera thinks it's gone past, the wind blows it back. Down, and in the end, and straight into the goal. Has put it in the back of the net. And... Beautiful work, which, as you would expect, blows us gently towards this week's top five. Sports affected by wind. Bit of thought at number five, cycling. But yes, uh, forget the, the race. <laughs> it's the gale that stopped riders from going anywhere in this race. Just being blown over left, right and centre. Still have their coffees over. Yeah, that's over. right. At number four, AFL plus Tasmania obviously equals this. <laughs> <laughs> Thought he was going a little bit deeper, but it turns out perfect pass. Brent Harvey, uh, the winning friend. In he goes. And I think he's been cut. Unbelievable. At, at number three, golf. Uh, now, Brett Ogle there, he puts from a distance and uh, into the wind. Don't mark it, don't mark it. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Good wind on the green, bad wind on this fairway. The weights. It's interesting that uh, all three. <laughs> Number two, to soccer and uh, yet more ways to make goalkeepers look stupid. That was his own kick, obviously. Uh, <laughs> this defender, I'm not sure why he's thinking I'll chip. Uh, because it's going nowhere, but... <laughs> Beautiful ball. Just genius. But at number one, uh, a brilliant kickoff in rugby. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's CGI, yeah? That's no, it. this is real. Look. <laughs> That's impossible. Uh, oh, don't tell me. Uh, that here is your top so five coming up. One of the legends of Australian <laughs> motorsport uh, with career race number 600 under his Belt, Craig Lowndes joins us right here.
Clouds, big moment. Car number triple eight, 600 supercar starts. Been a remarkable career for Lowndes. He's been an awesome ambassador for the sport. Three flag at the back. Field is set. Revs are picked up to the correct throttle percentage. Nobody blinks. Sydney is sparkly. The supercars are about to irregular. Great jump and have a go at Lowndes on the outside. It's a supercharged move. A free 600 supercar start. It's just like it was in 1996, only it's daylight. Away he goes. What a start by Lowndes on position four. I said the Joker is the one to land. It makes a way out across the land. I see him sifting through the sand. So I tell you all the story about the Joker and the thief in the night. 20 years after he won here in 1996, still shaping up as a formidable opponent in the business. Yes, indeed, he is the people's champion. He's just a champion, really. Uh, celebrated 600 supercar career starts on Saturday with that sneaky second, Craig Lowndes. Uh, welcome back to the show. Thank Love you. Love to have you. Thank you. I want to get into some more detail of what went on there at the weekend, because that start was absolutely amazing. Before then, I, I just want to show you, just to prove how much of a people's champion you are, I, I love the way that people... Well, they paint you on their body, tattoo style. We've got this uh, image here. <clears throat> uh, does that make you happy when you see that kind of action going on? <laughs> where wow. is it? No, where no, where no, is it? On, on the, body. the body? No, it's on the back. It could be the backside, but it's actually the back, but that's an arm, you think, on the... Oh, on thank the God. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a very, it's a very young one. It's got black hair. <laughs> I thought it was the top of the thigh. Yeah. <laughs> But you must love that kind of stuff. There is so much passion in the sport surrounding it, isn't there? Oh, look, we've always got very passionate followers. And I think that, uh, you know, that when I first started, it was only Ford and Holden, and that's mm. always continued that battle. Now we've got other manufacturers involved. So we've got very uh, passionate, and we can only know how passionate we are when we go to Bathurst. You know, yep. And that's coming. So we know when we get there how they're, they're either red or they're blue. And now we've got a bit of a mix of a Nissan and a Volvo, but, uh, but it really is a passionate fan base. Before we get to that enduro section, which begins with Sandown in a couple of weeks and, of course, heads to Bathurst, which everybody's looking forward to immensely, and especially you, I'd, I would imagine, just want to take you back. What about Jamie Winkoff? How rude to uh, beat you into second on your 600th race. Yeah, look, it's, uh, he had a very good car. I've got no doubt that, uh, you know, Jamie had a very fast car on Saturday. Shane Van Gisbergen uh, did a great job to protect the win. And then, of course, we had a ripper start, and there's nothing wrong with my reflexes. I'm, yep. I'm getting a bit older, but there's nothing wrong with my reflexes. So uh, Let's for... have a look at the start here, because Van Gisbergen did look like he put it in reverse the way you went around there. Well, it, it, we had a false start at, at uh, the first attempt, and, of course, then we re-gridded up and everything else. I just dropped the clutch, and away it went. It, it hooked up, went around. I, I thought I was actually going to slide into second here, but I had the momentum going into, into one. Uh, Chaz was quite kind to me. He actually did yield a little bit. I did squeeze him into the into the grass, but uh, you know we sort of uh, um, you know respect your elders. And, uh, and of course, the way we went and, and uh, look, it was a great run. It was really picture perfect for us until that last stop. And, and again, uh, talking to the guys in Red Bull, that uh, Jamie, I, I believe, was supposed to pit a lap earlier. He missed the the in inboard, yep. and uh, of course, then he followed me in. And of course, those guys did a great job. A little bit of touch almost going on the exit. And, and but yeah, he had a good car. It lasted the length of the tyres that we needed uh, for the distance and, uh, you know, good on him. He's now into the 100th win bracket yeah. and, uh, look, yeah, it's great to be part of that whole process. Craig, you, you said how good your reaction times are and, you know, you're driving so well. But when do you think... When, for a race car driver, do you think, you know, like you've had enough or you burn out, you're too old? Is it 
leaving the indicator on for no reason, you're listening to Alan Jones while you're doing, <laughs> while you're doing the chat. When, when do, you, do you think, because it doesn't, age is not affecting you at all. In fact, you're probably just as good as when you started. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm going to tell Roll on that so I can get a little <laughs> yeah. extension. Um, it's, uh, it really is one of those things that two things for me is the enjoyment of the sport. And, and like any sport, you've got to enjoy what you do. Otherwise, you've got to move on, do something else. But then also being competitive. And at the moment, we're still up the front. We're now moved into third in the championship. And, uh, and of course, it really is one of those things for me. It's all about those two elements. And, and so far, Touchwood, it's, it's still going. I grew up watching the Brocks and Johnsons and, uh, you know, Jimmy Richards and all those guys. And they rat, uh, drove right up until their sort of, you know, mid sort of 50s. Mm. So for me, I'm, I'm 42, you know, Although, saying that, when I first started, the demographic of a driver was about 40. um, And then, of course, now it's about 25. So it has changed quite slightly. Have you ever done a shoey? I haven't done a shoey. Um, But watching it before, I think that... uh, I don't know if I'd do it in someone else's shoe. That's probably a little bit creepy. (laughs) Did you you know what a shoey... Walls? Yeah, I did. Oh, yeah. I sort of uh, when it first came up, like yeah, Weber here is like he's obviously very courageous. Yeah. I don't know why you would put on someone else's sweaty. <laughs> this is all yeah, the Dave Reynolds. Like you expect that from Dave. Yeah, um, he's thrown pot plants off. He's done everything on podiums, so, <laughs> so you expect that from Dave. Can I ask about the passion? You talk about Bathurst in particular, Ford versus Holden. It's it's tribal. It's brutal. Are there any fans who are passionately that that incredibly wedded? To Volvo? Did, did, are there people just standing and shouting out, Volvo! Yeah, Volvo! With big Volvo tats and Volvo, are you naming their kids Volvo? They're putting up their deck chairs with IKEA catalogs. I can't get in there! Are they a bit more mild, you know what I'm saying? Uh, they are a little bit more mild, and I haven't come across anyone that's that passionate yet, but when I do, I'll let you know. That's yeah. I'll take a photo and send it to you. Craig, I want to talk to you about road rage. I caught yep. a little bit on the way to the airport today, and it sort of got me thinking. Have, on the open road, have you ever been involved in it at all? Oh, I have. And I've got to, got to admit that um, uh, many years ago I was driving down the Bruce Highway and uh, someone cut me off. I actually flashed them just to sort of let them indicate... With your no. lights. I did, yes. And then uh, basically he went on to brake test me and everything else. So I finally managed to get around him and then I and then he was then he started tailgate and it was just getting sort of beyond a joke. It was it was ramping up and it was sort of one of those things where I actually found a, a little pocket that I could pass another car in front. But then I actually waited until both of us then sort of boxed him out and then I just got on with my day. But uh, it, it is Funny driving on public roads and seeing everything that goes on, uh, the spatial awareness and, and people cutting people off, not indicating. It's just, it, it, for me, I find it, uh, you know, uh, I'm passionate about the road safety, but I find it hilarious at how, how we drive. Yeah, what, what about, we showed the vision a little bit earlier from this rally, the, the puppy dog. I, I just yeah. want to show it again because it's a, it's a wonderful escape. Uh, I don't know, well, we, this is, in fact, from Bathurst, we also have whether you've had any run ins with uh, animals at all. Well, Bathurst is, is the ultimate, and, uh, you know, kangaroos have definitely uh, been okay. around. The trouble is, is now with the fans on the top of the mountain, so they've never gone down. <laughs> right, well... <laughs> it had a couple. <laughs> it was, uh, he was doing a bit of a, uh, a run-through. But, look, you talk to the international drivers, and we've got Alex Primer coming in. He's a Frenchman. He's coming back to Australia. He's, he has raced here in Australia before. He's coming back, but he didn't appreciate. You go to the top of the mountain, at the back of the sides of it, there is hundreds and hundreds of kangaroos lurking around. So you see one, but there's many more around the back. The other thing people who haven't done the mountain don't know, it is, like, it's a perilous descent. You oh. lose the perspective on television until you see the actual... It's, it's quite a freakish stretch of road. Well, it is. The elevation change, which I don't have the figures on my head, but uh, it, it's massive. We, we walk it every morning and you get to Skyline, which is the, the top, 
and you look back down over pit lane and you see it's just way down in the distance. It is amazing. Like, the section of track that I love is the, the climb across or up and across and then the descent from skyline to forest elbow. Do you ever get slightly scared or, by definition, do you have to not be able to acknowledge that emotion to drive? Oh, look, you've got to drive the car on the edge. If you don't find that edge, you're not going fast enough. But Bathurst, you've also got to have respect. Because I've crashed across the top of the mountain thinking that, you know, you go a little bit wide here, you go across the top, and I've slammed it up against the concrete wall. So you've got to have respect. You've also done that one Bathurst uh, six times. Uh, you, with Steve Dawson uh, again uh, this week, uh, in Bathurst this time around. Yes, yeah, with... Steve, Steve's back with us again. And, uh, uh, yeah, we've won it six times. Uh, yeah, well, Steve's been with us last year, this year. Last year, I've got to say, I, I, I made a bit of a boo-boo. I hit Frosty and turned him around and yep. got a drive-through. Um, and, of course, uh, we, we let that slip. But, of course, uh, last year, uh, sorry, the year before, but last year, we, yeah, we got it all right. We, we got the win. To have uh, Steve up there, it was fantastic. And, uh, you know, we, we, uh, you know, we talk about Brock's nine victories. And, you know, we, as I said, records are there to be broken. I don't know whether anyone can get there or ever surpass that. Before we let you go, is it true that early days you had a run-in with Wayne Gardner? <laughs> I did, and it was actually at Bathurst. Um, we had a sprint race, and uh, oh, actually, he missed it. I reckon he missed a gear. I passed him on the outside, come back to cross um, to cover myself. I actually took him out. Um, the team said, look, for God's sake, go and apologise. So I, I, was, uh, I, I was 20 or 21 or something young, and I went and apologised, and he gave me the, all, the, all the expletives you could see. Um, but two meetings later, he came up and actually shook my hand and said, you're the only person that's ever apologised. <laughs> so I, I took that as a, yeah. as a compliment. Mm. All right. Well, you'll get plenty of compliments uh, if you sit here long enough. All the best for Sandown, especially mm. Bathurst and beyond 600, 700, 800, whatever it is. Craig Lowndes, thanks for dropping by. Cheers. Thank you Love very much. See you again. Coming up, our champ of the week. That's next. Welcome back. Jason Day finished a couple of shots off the pace in the US PGA playoff in New York, uh, but he did manage to throw up one of the final day highlights. Have a look at this. Goes across the top of this mountain, uh, 71 foot this is, uh, takes a little left turn here, then goes down the slope, which is, looks so good that this uh, his playing partner wants to get involved. Get out of the way. And look at this. In it goes. Amazing. It's right in the mix there. Of course, he's three-putted the next hole from exactly the same distance, which is always the way with golf. All right, look, I don't know if this is real or not. Crash, you're the skatey guy. You might be able to tell us. Uh, look at this. Uh, and whoopsie. Can that happen? That, that's, real. Yeah, that's real. That's real. Yeah, that's real. Yeah. Centrifugal motion, mate. I've got... I'm surprised you asked me, Tony. I do a lot of this stuff <laughs> on really? transport. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Angular momentum of theta integrate from zero to two points. Can you imagine how many times he would have squashed his jacks just <laughs> attempting to do that <laughs> time, before he actually got it right? Time now for our champ of <laughs> I don't the know what week. that means. <laughs> <laughs> I think he might have been here before. It's a legendary Kelly Slater who won the Billabong Pro at Chaopu yesterday. The great man was in sublime form, notching. This is a perfect 20-point score in the fifth round, just the ninth perfect score in 40 years of pro surfing. Went on to beat John John Florence in the final, scoring, he was shocking in the final, 19.67 he scored out of 20. He's 44, Kelly. He is. He's been on the tour for 23 years. No, Mick Fanning might win his 12th world title this year. Brilliant. Well done, you all. Thank you so much for your time. Now, take note now, next week's show, we'll be moving to Channel 502, but still at our regular time of 7.30pm. Come with us. It'll be fun. We'll see you then.
This has been a production of Fox Sports.